Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Faith in $5. $5, six countries, four months, and a one-way ticket to southern Russia. This is a book about faith, obedience, and miracles by Jonathan Nowlin. I hope you enjoy this reading of Faith in $5. Chapter 2 I'd grown up in a wonderful Christian family. My father was a pastor and a church planter in Montana in the early 1970s. He and my mother answered the call to the mission field when I was barely five years old. They sold everything, packed up the kids, and left on one-way tickets to the Pacific to serve with a mission organization called Youth with a Mission. From a very young age, I was deeply spiritually aware. One of the earliest memories from my fifth year of life was a season of spiritual conflict that began during my parents' mission training program in Kona, Hawaii. We lived on a large campus where many missionaries were involved in discipleship and missions training courses. In my childlike perception, it was a long walk between where we ate and where we lived, where I attended kindergarten and to other events on campus. I distinctly remember becoming aware that when I and my family returned home to our small studio apartment each evening, there were dark spirits lurking up on the exposed rafters of our apartment. Strangely, fear was not my reaction to this experience. I somehow had discernment in my young heart and knew that these spirits intended to harm my parents. I could feel their hatred every time we entered. A holy anger and a zeal began to rise up in me when I faced these spirits. One day, I decided that I was not going to tolerate this situation anymore, and I was going to do something to protect my parents from these evil spirits. So returning home, one day I ran as fast as I could in order to get into the apartment before the rest of my family. My aim was to confront these enemies and make them leave our apartment. I burst into the apartment and started yelling at the spirits that I could see them and that they had to get out of our apartment. They were startled and panicked when they realized I could see them and that I was confronting them. I was so angry and so determined to rid our apartment of these creatures that I made an effort to follow this same routine each time we returned home. Finally, one day after my latest confrontation, the spirits left and did not return to the apartment anymore. I'm not sure what my parents thought was going on or if they thought I was having a childhood meltdown, but I seem to remember them listening to me try to explain why I was yelling. I was blessed to be raised in a home that had modeled true obedience to Christ at any cost. Our family went on to serve in a number of mission enterprises, both overseas and in the USA. Each of these experiences were to me an adventure of a lifetime and taught me that faith in God is all you really need and that God is real and his faithfulness endures forever. My first serious test of faith and obedience as a young adult presented itself in the shape of an opportunity to venture into the former Soviet Union to conduct discipleship programs for young new believers. I'd just completed my first full year of missions training 
and had lived through a field assignment in Ukraine during the summer of 1993. I say lived through because it was one of the most difficult field assignments I've ever experienced, and I've lived through many. As I write this, I have now worked in over 60 nations and have served in hundreds of short-term and intermediate-term assignments. Of these, my initial field assignment in Ukraine still ranks as the most difficult, yet most rewarding ministry experience of my life. By the completion of my initial missions training year, I had come through with powerful testimonies and a zeal to see the world reached for Christ. I had been a part of radical revival and evangelism efforts, and I was ready for more. The problem was I had no plan, no money, and no apparent opportunities. I clearly remember the moment all that changed. I was sitting at a table in the cafeteria of the YWAM campus in Salem, Oregon, quietly thinking and praying about what I was to do next. As I sat there listening for the voice of the Lord, I suddenly heard another very human voice. It was a young leader from a nearby YWAM center whose name was John. John walked up behind me and leaned in and said, Do you want to go to Russia? As I had literally just been seeking the Lord for direction, I was immediately convinced that the Lord was speaking to me. So I said, Sure, why not? John proceeded to invite me to join the team he was creating that would travel to Russia, Latvia, Belarus, and back to Russia during a whirlwind three-month outreach. The plan was to conduct discipleship youth camps for young people who had been reached or impacted by significant evangelistic efforts around key areas of the former Soviet Union. During those early days of openness in this part of the world, much effective evangelism had taken place, but very little of even basic discipleship. Due to this, many of those who had come to know the Lord were falling away or being recruited and deceived by cults. Immediately after John shared the opportunity with me, I knew that the Lord was answering my prayer for direction. I was sold. I immediately began serving at a branch office of our mission that was focused on the former Soviet areas of the world. Other members of the team John was recruiting began to arrive, and we worked frantically to prepare for the huge undertaking ahead of us. One good friend, whom I met during my initial missions training phase, was a Brit named Mike. Mike also joined the team. And as we worked together, our friendship quickly deepened and we felt ready to take on the challenge ahead. Our leadership team identified a need for an advanced team to undertake a reconnaissance mission in the southern Russian city of Krasnodar. The purpose of this advance was to figure out how best to offer a discipleship camp and where to locate the program. When John asked Mike and me if we were up for the advanced team assignment, we barely had to pause before agreeing. We had no idea what we were really agreeing to, but we both had total faith in God that he would empower us and guide our steps. Although we were filled with zeal and courage, we lacked one major thing, money. I had just completed over one year of mission training programs and a three-month field assignment that had cost me literally every penny I had. I had sold my car and anything else of value that I owned in order to pay for the last 15 months of ministry. I was broke. Mike was just as broke as I was, he couldn't even fundraise as all his supporters were back in England. To compound a scheme that was already beginning to be viewed as a bit harebrained by some of our senior leadership at the mission center, both Mike and I had the word of the Lord that we were supposed to end our trip in Israel of all places. I had heard clearly from the Lord in a dream that we were supposed to visit the Holy Land at the end of our trip, and that same night, Mike had heard the exact same thing from the Lord in his spirit. 
Neither of us intended to bring it up, but somehow in the course of conversation the next day, we both acknowledged this further direction from the Lord to each other. This word was a major faith builder for each of us, and one that we were going to need to hold on to in the face of huge challenges to come. So we proceeded to let our senior leadership know that in addition to our already unfunded four-month trip, we were supposed to somehow make it to Israel on our way back to England. Praise God for the value YWAM training and culture places on hearing and obeying the voice of the Lord. Our leadership listened carefully as we told them about our new, previously unplanned stopover in the Middle East and told us, that's great. We will get back to you with our decision regarding whether or not to approve this. To their credit, they actually took us seriously and considered this additional direction. They were already somewhat unconvinced about our initial plans to do the four-month trip since we had no money whatsoever and had let us know that our ducks were not in a row. As the approval process dragged out, we finally realized that they were not likely to agree without additional prompting. We knew we had the word of the Lord, and we needed to find a way to convince them, so we began combing through a number of books that were written by and about our current leadership. One of these books actually detailed an account of unparalleled miracles and radical obedience, featuring some of our current leadership sneaking into the Soviet Union while it was still a closed country, and engaging in amazing ministry opportunities and wild adventures with the Lord. These accounts were so extreme that our leaders had to use false names in the accounts to protect their identities. We decided that if God allowed them to obey and serve in such radical opportunities, that we also should be given the same chance. So we bookmarked key passages from this book and took it into a meeting with our senior leadership. We proceeded to respectfully point out the far more risky enterprises that they had undertaken at our age, all the while respectfully calling them by their false names that were used in the book. This slightly humorous approach worked. The following morning, we found a post-it note on our office door that just said, go for it, guys. God doesn't need your ducks to be in a row. He is order and can order the ducks any way he chooses. We now had the official commission for this assignment, but we still lacked a major component, money. Our team leader, John, still believed by faith that something would work out for us to depart early and to be able to organize the discipleship program in southern Russia. Our plan was to spend the first eight weeks on this initial assignment and then meet up with John and the rest of the team in St. Petersburg, Russia. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. I really believe that often the reason God does not paint a clear picture and a long-term picture for our lives is that we would see the artwork and say, no way, I'm not doing it. It's better that he reveals only our next steps, like a painter revealing a painting one brushstroke at a time. The sign of someone who truly knows their God is that they know that he is trustworthy and faithful. This person can step out and obey even when it seems like they are stepping off a cliff. In doing so, they find that God makes straight their paths and honors their obedience. The time was quickly approaching for our departure to Russia. Mike and I were increasingly excited for the opportunity ahead, even though we had no idea what to expect. A last-minute development in our plans was that we were also to escort a young missionary named Faith. Faith was heading to Russia for a one-year assignment in Krasnodar, but had decided to join our team in this four-month outreach prior to beginning her commitment on the field. 
we soon began to joke that God had given us a prophetic reminder of what would be vital for this trip by giving us a friend and a teammate named Faith. The events ahead could only be described as a continuous miracle. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.